You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. This is the MLB Extras Yankees podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our Yankees reporter, Brian Hoke. Lots to get to on the podcast. This time around, Brian, there's a couple of former Yankees heading to Cooperstown. We'll talk about that. There's a former Yankee headed to the Reds. We'll talk about that. And then Adam Ottavino has officially become a member of the Pinstripers. And then finally, we'll continue our Around the Horn segment. We'll talk about the catching position as well as the designated hitter. So plenty to get to. Let's start with Cooperstown. Um, and let's start with Mariano Rivera, the first ever player to... Uh, be on 100% of the ballots of the BBWAA, the unanimous choice to get into the Hall of Fame. To me, it was a bit of a surprise that the first ever player to be on 100% of the ballots is a closer, considering the difficult path that a lot of closers had to get through to get to Cooperstown. But I think it says a lot about basically the changing of the votes for the Hall of Fame and that, that I think that the current collection of people that are voting are much more likely for this to happen again as we go forward. Do you agree with that? I think so. You know, I was surprised. I thought that uh, 80 somewhat years of history probably indicated that there would be somebody who didn't vote for him for whatever reason. But I think you're right in that um, kind of the votership is getting younger. And some of those guys who make the arguments and say, you know, Babe Ruth wasn't unanimous and Ted Williams wasn't unanimous. So, you know, Mariano Rivera can't be. Well, I, I think that's changed. And uh, you have a, a younger contingent now who says, uh, why? Why why can't he be? And, uh, you know, I, the more I think about it, how amazing it is, because if you get 425 people in a room, I'm not sure they can agree on anything. You know, it's, you know, you could put a, a picture up and say, what color is this picture? And some of them are going to say red and some are going to say pink. And probably one guy will say it's yellow or blue or green. To have 425 people look at Mariano Rivera's career, say, yes, that is a Hall of Famer. I mean, I, I thought there was no reason to leave him off a ballot, but um, I'm impressed. I, I'm happy that he got in unanimously because, I mean, this is the... Uh, the greatest closer that any of us have ever seen and probably ever will see, the all-time saves leader. And if this guy uh, doesn't go into Cooperstown and, and doesn't have your vote for Cooperstown, I have to wonder why not. And so I'm um, very happy for him, very deserving. Uh, you talk to people who encountered him during his career. I mean, this is a guy who did everything right on the field, off the field, just a, a regal Yankee. And I, I think Brian Cashman said it well in that, he was always a guy that you could point to and say, that's how a Yankee should look. That's how a Yankee should act. And that was Mariano Rivera. And it's neat that he has stayed in this area living up in Westchester, and he does so much off the field now as well. I, I've always laughed at that argument that Babe Ruth didn't get 100% and Ted Williams didn't get 100%. That's the problem. That was the mistake. Don't make the mistake worse now by not voting for a guy just because of that. Those guys should have gotten 100% of the vote. So let's not um, award the voters who screwed up back then by not putting those guys on the ballot by uh, continuing to do it. So I was glad to see that somebody got 100% of the vote. And I think we could, in theory, we could see it happen again next year with another Yankee who will be on the ballot. And that is Derek Jeter. We'll see. I thought Ken Griffey Jr. should have been on 100% as well. But anyway, the other guy 
may or may not actually go in with a Yankee logo on his cap. And Mike Messina will head to Cooperstown. He gets elected in in his sixth year on the ballot. He was certainly helped, I think, by Jack Morris getting in last year. And if Morris is in, you kind of have to let Messina in for sure. I think he had a Hall of Fame career. Um, but it is a debate as far as what what logo he should have on there. And, and he seems like he doesn't want to make that decision. Ten years in Baltimore, eight years with the Yankee Yankees. But when he talks about the biggest moments of his career, most of them were with the Yankees. What do you think ends up happening, Brian? Do you think he ends up with no logo? Uh, I think that the Hall of Fame will probably put him in as a Baltimore Oriole. I think he spent more years there, um, you know, two, two more years. But all of his all-star appearances came in Baltimore. The numbers were slightly better. And uh, but I, when I think about Mike Mussina, I do think about him in those big spots for the Yankees. You know, he talked about his relief appearance coming in in the Aaron Boone game in 2003 and uh, the final game of his career where he pitched the first game of a doubleheader at Fenway Park and uh, became a 20-game winner for the first time and the only time in his career. Um, I, I, I think that you can make a very strong case for both, but I think considering he spent two more years in Baltimore, started his career there, was an all-star there, um, I, I think that that's probably the way the hall is going to go. But I, I again, I'm happy to see Musina get in. The best argument I heard for his candidacy was this guy pitched 18 years in the American League East against the most offensive division in baseball um, in an era of performance enhancing drugs, unfortunately, but he did. And uh, he pitched really, really well. And then, you know, forget the fact that he didn't make it to 300 wins. He could have hung on and uh, continued pitching. He proved that in 2008, you know, a 20-win guy, but he didn't want to hang on another three years. He said, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to coach high school basketball. And um, I mean, this is a Hall of Famer, Mike Messina, and I'm very happy to see him get in. He said he was surprised that it came this year. He thought he had a better shot next year, but um, very deserving to be in that Hall class of 2019. Uh, one thing that stood out to me just this week, listening to him talk on Tuesday, and then I was actually in the van going from uh, the press conference on Wednesday over to MLB Network. Um, his personality has kind of come out. This is something I didn't know about Mike Mussina. I always thought of him as a as a quiet and focused guy. Um, he was funny this week a lot of times, and and it was it was kind of neat to see um, that him come out of his shell a little bit. He's always been funny. I, I think that he's yeah. the kind of guy that um, at first you might need some time to warm up to him. And I think uh, he wasn't the most outgoing guy until he got to know you or you got to know him. But, you know, I covered the last two years of his career and he was funny. He had this dry, sarcastic wit. And, you know, one of the smartest players that I've ever been around, you know, obviously he went to Stanford and uh, always, I remember seeing him at his locker at the old stadium doing crossword puzzles before a start. And, uh, you know, whereas most guys would be playing with a cell phone or doing whatever, a video game. Um, I mean, this guy is a very bright pitcher. It translated to his pitching. He was thinking out there with every single pitch. And um, off the field, I, I think that if you didn't know him, you know, as you mentioned in the van, um, what you got to see once you got to spend some time with him, it probably was a lot different than what you thought. And so, you know, one of the things that somebody brought up to me uh, as far as the voting, well, Mariano Rivera was perfect. We all knew that already. And Mike Mussina, it took some time to get to know him. But eventually, once you did, he was a pretty good guy. And that's the way the Hall of Fame voting went, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a nice little comparison. All right, so those guys will be 
in Cooperstown this summer. It'll be neat. Obviously, Edgar Martinez, part of that class as well, and Roy Halliday, who has left us too soon. He will go in with them as well. His family will be representing him in Cooperstown this summer. So plenty of Yankees fans, I'm sure, will make the trip up from the city up to Cooperstown to celebrate uh, two great pitchers from the Yankees past. All right, let's move on to a guy who struggled as a pitcher with the New York Yankees. That is Sonny Gray, who has finally been traded. Uh, He goes to the Cincinnati Reds. The Yankees get a competitive balance round A pick, which is a nice pick to get. They also get Shed Long, who they then flip to the Mariners for Josh Stower. So they flip the infield prospect for an outfield prospect. I guess my question for you, Brian, as we've talked about this, and the Yankees were holding out for what they wanted to get for Sonny Gray, do you think that they eventually ended up coming down in their asking price, or do you think this package is what Brian Cashman kind of had in mind all along? I I think that this was good enough. Um, I I think that it was getting to a point in the winter where uh, you didn't want to have Sonny Gray come to camp with the Yankees. They wanted to have something that they could – import to the farm system because the farm system has taken a hit in the last few months and years. Um, They traded away some of those prospects. So to get a high ceiling guy, a center fielder, a toolsy guy who's going to start out and probably a ball this year, but could go uh, as high as double a couple years down the line, but you're, you're investing in a prospect here. It was not going to work for Sonny Gray in New York. I I think that everybody involved understood that Uh, best to get a fresh start. And I think he's going to do well in Cincinnati. I really do. Um, I wasn't expecting him to get an extension, but I think it shows a commitment for him. I think he's going to be comfortable there and, um, you know, good guy, but it just didn't work out in New York. So the Yankees, uh, ready to move on. And, um, I, I think that, uh, this was probably in the best interest of everybody involved. I think people that are critical of the trade don't realize that that is a pretty good pick, competitive balance round A, and you can get a good player there and and deepen that farm system a little more and get a player that will be a little further away for sure too. All right, and then they add a pitcher, Adam Ottavino. Finally, um, that deal is finalized, and we won't get into it. We've talked about Ottavino, how he fits with this team, that sort of thing. He'll obviously um, kind of fill that David Robertson role within that bullpen. But he's number zero, Brian, and he's the first number zero ever for the New York Yankees. Um, Did he have to beg to get that number? Has nobody ever asked for it before? I don't know. I don't understand how a team that has so few numbers available at this point has never had a zero. I don't think anybody's asked for it before him. I (laughs) I can ask that question uh, when we get down to spring training. I'll find out. Um, But I don't think there would have been anybody who would have asked for it with the Yankees before. And so, uh, again, not a situation like – where you ask for 21 and uh, there's fan outcry about Paul O'Neill. Nobody's ever worn zero. Just the fact that it hadn't happened, um, I, I think it probably caught some people by surprise, but it's time. And he wore it in, in Denver and um, it fits him. I, I think that uh, it's nice. It's a perfect uh, perfect fit for him. I think it's going to be cool. They'll probably sell a few extra T-shirts with it on it. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's time that a lot of these traditions, just you know, as we said with the being – a unanimous Hall of Famer, just because it's never happened before. So what? What does that mean? Um, so I think that uh, sign in the good direction, and, and I think, you know, we all thought that Derek Jeter retiring ended the single digits, but turns out there's one more left, and uh, we all kind of overlooked the number zero, and so Adam Adovino can join that, and Billy Martin, and Derek Jeter, uh, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, on and on and on. Um, so number zero, pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be retiring number zero for Adam Adovino, but uh, so so that one may be available down the road as well, but you never know. 
yeah, pretty cool. And, and obviously a guy that's from New York, and it seems like it's going to be a really good fit having him on this roster. All right, we're going to continue our around the horn type series here, talking about different positions with the catcher slash DH. Let's start behind the plate. Gary Sanchez obviously is the guy that supposed to be the future guy. Questions were raised in 2018. They're not surprising questions. They've been lingering throughout his career through the minors. But what does Gary Sanchez have to kind of prove to not just the team, but I think the fan base and everyone in 2019? Well, I think the offensive performance has to come back. And, uh, you know, I think there were a lot of questions about Gary's game all around last year. Uh, the pass balls, the ball blocking continues to be a concern. But I think he does enough things well behind the plate that they should be able to survive that if they have sure to. Uh, what they what they can't survive is the yeah, offensive performance not bouncing back to the way it was in 2016, 2017. So uh, you talk to Yankee okay. people, they, they look at his peripheral numbers. They think that he hit into a lot of bad luck and maybe that kind of snowballed on him. It, it hurt his confidence. But uh, by the end of the year in late September and in the postseason, you started to see signs of what Gary Sanchez was supposed to be. And then obviously he went and had a, a shoulder surgery and a cleanup after the season that none of us knew about. Um, so I think that was probably affecting him at the plate somewhat. So if he can come back this spring and be closer to Gary Sanchez 2017, um, then I think he's still one of the better catchers in the American League, somebody that the Yankees clearly believe in and are going to build around because, um, you know, the, you talk about maybe Austin Romine or uh, Kyle Higashioka could get some reps, but none of them have the ceiling that Gary Sanchez has when he's right. And so uh, you saw it a little bit at the end. Gary seemed to be appearing more like himself. He needs to come in firing on all cylinders to begin the 2019 season and, and prove people wrong who wrote him off last year. You mentioned those two other guys uh, behind the plate. How does that competition work itself out in spring training? Is that open as far as the backup job goes? Well, I think Romine probably has a leg up going in just based upon what he's done the last couple of years. Um, you know, Higashioka, I think that the pitchers enjoy throwing to him. He's capable. Uh, finally got off the schneid and started getting a couple hits. He, he was 0 for, I don't even remember. It was a few dozen, I think, uh, to, to begin his major league career. Uh, but I think that Romine has proven that he's a solid, capable backup catcher and uh, can start on occasion when needed. Um, I, I think they're pretty solid with the this catching tandem of Sanchez and Romine to begin the year. And if either one of those has injury issues, you know, Higashioka will be waiting down at AAA. And then when you talk about the DH spot, obviously Giancarlo Stanton is a guy that's going to get some time as a designated hitter. The question is, what is that breakdown? Um, last year, it was almost 50-50 as far as outfield and DH. Do you see that being similar? Do you think he'll get a little more time in the outfield? I think it's going to be similar. I really do, just based upon the, the players that they have in the outfield. You know, Brett Gardner, Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge, all those guys are going to get their reps out in the outfield. So uh, there was a lot of time that they had to play Stanton on one and a half legs. He had a hamstring issue, but really needed to stay in the lineup because the Yankees had a bunch of guys on the disabled list. And, um, you know, I, I think that he started something like 82, 83 consecutive games at one point. Um, I, I think that you're going to see that a lot. You're going to see a lot of DHing out of him. They want to keep his bat in the lineup as much as possible. And if that means that he has to do it as a DH, uh, you'd probably rather that than having him run around the outfield and risk an injury that way. So, um, you know, I think that it's funny to look at Giancarlo Stanton, the physical specimen he is, and think of him as a DH. But with the defensive outfielders that the Yankees have left to right, um, it kind of makes sense for him to DH as much as he can. He never really complained about the hamstring, and I think because there wasn't a lot of mention of it, people kind of block it out and don't don't think about it. But when people talk about the struggles he went through at times with the strikeouts, I mean, that has to be a factor, right? 
I, I think so. I think he was playing on one and a half legs, as I mentioned. And uh, you, you add into that the adjustment to New York City. He'd never played in a pennant race before, never played in, uh, for a team that finished above 500, um, never had gone to the postseason. So there was a lot of first for Giancarlo Stanton. He obviously never DH'd much with the Marlins because they're in the National League. So I, I think he had to learn kind of how to do everything all over again. Um, and, and Aaron Boone said recently – he thinks that that's going to serve Stanton really well coming into this year. He'll be more comfortable. He knows the city. He knows what's expected of him. And uh, second year in pinstripes, they're looking for big numbers from Giancarlo Stanton for sure. All right. We got through a lot there on the podcast, Brian. Great stuff as always. You can follow Brian at Brian Hoke on Twitter. I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. All of our MLB extras club podcasts are at MLB.com backslash podcast on Google Play and on Apple Podcasts. For Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Thank you so much for listening.